Good day to you. Hope you're having a wonderful day. We are ready to read Colossians. <clears throat> now, Colossians is a congregation that were in the town or city of Colossae or Colossae. Now, to me, it's spelled at the end, it's uh, A-E. Now, and because I took Latin, it makes me think it's an I sound. However, it could be that because this is not, this is, this would have been in Turkey, or this would be what we would call Turkey nowadays anyway, um, that it has a different pronunciation, but I have gone with the idea that it's Colossae, okay? Um, <clears throat> but it's not spelled with an I at the end, it's um, C-O-L-O-S-S-A-E, okay? So it's a slightly different spelling. Nonetheless, that town is about, it's between, or around, maybe I should say around, it's around 150, 200 miles east of Ephesus, so it's not on the coast, it's really further inland into that part of Turkey, um, east of Ephesus, because Ephesus was on that western coast, and so we're going inland. Um, you'd have to look at this on a map to probably get a better idea but that's basically where it is um, if you look it up on the internet and look for, you know, Colossians of the Bible and look for a map, they will, they will show you where it is. Nonetheless, I have an introduction for this letter that I want to read. Now, this is not what I wrote. This is an introduction that is actually at the beginning of the uh, letter uh, in my Let's see, this is in my English Standard Version Bible. That is not the Bible I'll be reading from, but I read this introduction and I think it's, I think I like it as an introduction. It gives us a good idea of uh, what this letter is for. So I just want to start there with this. Paul wrote this letter to the church in Colossae to counteract false teachers Evidently, these teachers were trying to impose strict rules about eating and drinking and religious festivals and were advocating the worship of angels. Paul shows the superiority of Christ over all human philosophies and traditions. He writes of Christ's deity. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, and of the reconciliation he accomplished with his blood. So Paul writes of Christ's deity and of the reconciliation he accomplished with his blood. He explains that the way of living in this world is to focus on heavenly rather than earthly things. I tend to say focus on spiritual rather than worldly, but same idea. God's chosen people must leave their sinful lives behind and live in a godly way, looking to Christ as the head of the church. So that's a quick introduction to Colossians, where we're going with this. So with that, let me just start reading in uh, chapter 1 of Colossians. Paul, an apostle, special messenger, ch personally chosen representative of Christ Jesus, the Messiah, the Anointed One, by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful believers in Christ who are at Colossae, 
Grace to you and peace, inner calm and spiritual well-being from God our Father. We give thanks to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ as we pray always for you. For we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus, how you lean on him with absolute confidence in his power, wisdom, and goodness, and of the unselfish love which you have for all the saints, God's people. Because of the confident hope of experiencing that which is reserved and waiting for you in heaven. So, he's praising them, he's thanking them, for he's heard of their faith. You know, he's thanking God for them, okay? And he's praising them a little here. He says, for we've heard of your faith and your godly love, you know, unselfish love. And again, when we're talking about God's love and love in the Bible for each other, we're talking about an unselfish willingness to look out for the betterment of others. Um, let's see if I can get a better way of saying that. Um, it's not so much a matter of an emotion, but it's a matter of doing things for the benefit of another person. It's an unselfish way or an unselfish concern for others and a willingness to do what is best for others. So that is the godly love we refer to and that they you know he's he's saying that uh, he's heard of their faith and that they have that love um, and that uh, okay so there I was skipping ahead I apologize so anyway so that you've heard he's heard of them their faith and he's heard that they have this love okay that for um, they have that love for all the saints, all the God's people. You previously heard of this hope in the message of truth, the gospel, regarding salvation, which has come to you, indeed, just as in the... Okay, I'm not reading this very well at all. I apologize. Let me back up. So I'm going to go back to... I have lost verse 5. I do apologize. There we go. Okay, so let's go back to verse 4. For we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love which you have for all the saints because of the hope which is reserved and waiting for you in heaven. Now I'm leaving out some of the extra verbiage there to get to the, the point. Um, you previously heard of this hope in the gospel. No, I see I'm misreading that word. I apologize. I misread that sentence. You previously heard of this hope in the message of truth, the gospel, which has come to you. Indeed, just as in the whole world, the gospel is constantly bearing fruit and spreading by God's power, just as it has been doing among you ever since the day you first heard of it and understood the grace of God in truth, becoming thoroughly and deeply acquainted with it. You learned it from our representative Epaphras, our beloved fellow bondservant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf, and he also has told us of your love, well grounded and nurtured in the Holy Spirit. For this reason, since the day we heard about it, we have not stopped praying for you, asking specifically that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will, that's God's will, in all spiritual wisdom, with insight into his purposes, and in understanding of spiritual things, 
so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, displaying admirable character, moral courage, and personal integrity, to fully please Him in all things, bearing fruit in every good work, and steadily growing in the knowledge of God, with deeper faith, clearer insight, and fervent love for His precepts. We pray that you may be strengthened and invigorated with all power, according to His glorious might, to attain every kind of endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints, God's people, in the light. So this is, this is again like a long, pardon me, not really a long, it's, um, well, part of it is like a long run on sentence, but that really wasn't where I was going. Um, part of this is a prayer. Again, he's saying this is a prayer for them. He's not stopped praying for them and asking that they specifically, you know, would be filled with the knowledge of God's will in spiritual wisdom and in understanding of spiritual things so that they could walk in a manner worthy of the Lord and please him in all things. And that they would, you know, bear fruit in every good work and just steadily grow in the knowledge of God. And that they would be strengthened and invigorated with his, with all power according to his glorious might, with his power, with his might. And that they would be able to attain every kind of endurance and patience with joy. So he prays. He prays for them to have these things because it's always in God's will to pray, to pray for God's wisdom, to pray for God's knowledge, you know, to understand his will or at least to know what his will is. And, uh, and he says, you know, giving thanks to the Father. So he prays for them for this and then he, you know, he's giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us, in other words, who has allowed us to be or uh, made us fit the, the, the role and the requirements uh, so that we can share in the inheritance of the saints in the light, in, in God's kingdom, in the spirit, and in his, um, in his realm to be his child. You know, he's made us, he's made us have those qualifications because we don't really have those qualifications without God and without Jesus. So with Jesus, then we have those qualifications, but that was all given to us from God. That was not something that we earned or did ourselves. That salvation that, that gives us all those qualifications so that then we're godly, we're holy, we can, we can go before God and we can pray to God. And uh, we can share in that inheritance and be in God's kingdom, be a, be a child of God. All right, so in verse 13, we're going to continue on. For he, talking about uh, Jesus, the Lord, for he has rescued us and has drawn us to himself from the dominion of darkness and has transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, Okay, so I misspoke. In verse 13, he's referring to God the Father again. I apologize. For he has rescued us and has drawn us to himself from the dominion of darkness and has transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son. Now, he's transferred us to the kingdom 
We are citizens of the kingdom, and his son is our king. Jesus, the Lord, is our king. Christ is our king, in whom we have redemption because of his sacrifice, resulting in the forgiveness of our sins and the cancellation of sin's penalty. So, this is a continual thing. It's not just like a one-time thing, but through Jesus we have that redemption, that forgiveness of sins, and the cancellation of sin's penalty. So we do not reap the just rewards of sin because the uh, the payment of sin, um, and I'm not saying the word exactly right, everybody knows the phrase, and for right now it's escaping me, but... Um, you know, the payment of sin, the wages of sin, is death. So, you know, so to save us from that death, that spiritual death, you know, that's that's what God has given us through Jesus. He's given us this forgiveness of sins and the cancellation of that penalty. That is the redemption, the forgiveness that he's given us. Okay, so. He is the exact living image, the essential manifestation of the unseen God. Now here, he is referring to Jesus. <clears throat> the visible representation of the invisible. So he's, he is the living image of the unseen God. The firstborn, the preeminent one, the sovereign and the originator of all creation. So, for by him... All things were created in heaven and on earth. Things visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created and exist through him. That is, by his activity and for him. And he himself existed and is before all things, and in him all things hold together. His is the controlling, cohesive force of the universe. So, and that, you know, there he's talking about Jesus again. He is also the head, the life source, and leader of the body, the church. And he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself will occupy the first place. He will stand supreme and preeminent in everything. So, here, this is, this is all about Jesus, all about the Lord. He is, you know... Um, in the first of John, you know, John says the word was with God and the word was God. And he came, you know, he came and became, basically he became a man. He became Jesus. You know, he became flesh. So Paul is referring back to that <clears throat> in this saying that, you know, Jesus is the source of all things. Everything was made through Jesus, which Paul, which John also says that. Uh, in those same verses there, if you go back to the first of the Gospel of John and you look at those first uh, handful of verses there. So, <clears throat> all right. So Jesus is the first. He is the first from the dead to rise. He is, he is the first and he is supreme and preeminent. He is the leader and the king. Um, for it pleased the Father, for all the fullness of deity, the sum total of his essence, all his perfection, powers, and attributes, to dwell permanently in him, the Son. 
and through the intervention of the Son to reconcile all things to himself, making peace with believers through the blood of his cross through him, I say whether things on earth or things in heaven. So, it pleased the Father to basically give his power, his essence, to give that and to give that authority to Jesus the Son. And through Jesus he reconciled all of us to him. Now this says it reconciled all things to him. So he reconciled all of us to him, making peace with us because we were uh, we were before the Lord, before accepting his salvation. We are undeniably we are just um living sinful, we're against God, we're not doing the right things and not being right, we're, in, we're opposed to God. We're fundamentally, when we're not with God, when we're not for the Lord, we are opposed to God. We, we can't help it. Our human selves will be opposed to God. Just uh, think of the things that you used to believe and say, and then compare that to after you're saved and, and once you've uh, learned a lot of God's will and wisdom, and you compare that to how you thought and believed before, and you realize that, yeah, fundamentally, without even knowing it, I was opposed to God, even though I didn't necessarily mean to be consciously. But when we decide, you know, to not receive salvation and to not be with and for God, then we will fundamentally be opposed to God. And it's, it's our human nature that selfish nature we can't really help that it's well you can help it but I just mean that that nature tends to win out if you don't have God and the Lord to guide you um, it's very hard and I don't I don't think many people can really beat that uh, those selfish temptations and desires all right and we're going to continue on, verse 21. And although you were at one time estranged and alienated and hostile-minded toward him, participated in evil things, yet Christ has now reconciled you to God in his physical body through death in order to present you before the Father holy and blameless and beyond reproach. And he will do this if you continue in the faith, well-grounded and steadfast, and not shifting away from the confident hope that is a result of the gospel that you have heard, which was proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which gospel I, Paul, was made a minister. So here he's talking about basically what I was trying to talk about, and maybe he just says this a lot better, um, saying that although we were at one time estranged, alienated, and hostile-minded toward him, that's all that human nature and all that uh, temptation and selfishness that we just normally have. We were participating in evil things, yet now Christ has reconciled us through his death on the cross so that we can go before that because that his death on the cross, that cleanses us. It is an active agent 
cleansing us at all times as long as we are faithful to repent and and come to God every day and say look I'm you know I know I've made mistakes I'm sorry I know I've I've done things that were wrong I know I have selfishly done something that I knew was wrong and I did it anyway because I was being selfish and and stubborn please forgive me I'm sorry you know and you move forward you repent and you move forward because that is what we do a lot of times and because we do that though that repentance that forgiveness from Christ is there every day all the time it is always available it is always ready to cleanse us again that doesn't mean we should run out and just do whatever we want and come back you know, because we have to be sincere it needs to be sincere repentance it needs to be you know I'm trying I am trying to learn this lesson I'm trying to learn and do better and find a way to not do this etc etc we're, we're, we're trying to learn to do better we're following Jesus and trying to learn how to be him uh, because he was perfect so he's our example so he's talking about you know about Christ's sacrifice like I said reconciling them and if you continue in the faith and well grounded and steadfast meaning we continue and we keep we keep trying then then we are you know then we are able to go before God the Father as a holy and uh, righteous blameless person so but we do have to continue and we have to do that you know it has to be a daily thing now verse 24 now I rejoice in my sufferings on your behalf and with my own body I supplement whatever is lacking on our part of Christ's afflictions on behalf of his body which is the church in this church I was made a minister according to the stewardship which God entrusted to me for your sake so that I might make the word of God fully known among you that is the mystery which was hidden from angels and mankind for ages and generations but has now been revealed to his saints God in his eternal plan chose to make known to them how great for the glory no <clears throat> sorry my eyes skipped so let me start this over God chose to make known to them how great for the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery which is in Christ which is Christ in and among you I'm sorry I read that wrong yet again are the riches of the glory of this mystery which is Christ in and among you the hope and guarantee of realizing the glory we proclaim him warning and instructing everyone in all wisdom that is with comprehensive insight into the word and purposes of God so that we may present every person complete in Christ mature and fully trained and perfect in him the anointed for this I labor often to the point of exhaustion striving with his power and energy which so greatly works within me so Paul is telling them about his ministry his ministry is to reveal the mystery that is Christ Jesus and salvation the gospel to the Gentiles and that is essentially what he's doing um, he's proclaiming Christ proclaiming Jesus warning and instructing everyone in all wisdom 
so that they may present every person complete in Christ. In other words, preaching the gospel, sharing God's wisdom, teaching the mystery that is Christ, how we can be uh, reconciled to God through Christ. And he's talking about how he labors in doing this and he strives, you know, striving with his power, God's power and energy, which so greatly works within me, because he's saying that it is through God's power and energy that he's able to do this. But that is his ministry, to proclaim this to the Gentiles, to spread the gospel and to give them salvation. So, that is the end of chapter 1 of Colossians. I want to thank you for listening. Hope you have a wonderful day. And remember, God loves you.